You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Born apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies that actors were. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie and this episode is hosted by Ryan. We are pleased to present to you two fantastic guests to talk to us on this incredible episode today. We have actor Jordan Calloway and comedian who has come back to the podcast to talk to us, Dulce Sloan. In our first segment, Jordan Calloway, he has started off working at a young age and found early success on Unfabulous and two seasons of ER. More recently, Calloway starred in Black Lightning, Riverdale, and Freakish. Additional TV credits include Beyond, House of Lies, and Pure Genius. Currently, you can see him in the new show called Fire Country, which is airing on CBS. And in our second segment, we have Dolce Sloan, comedian, actress. She was a correspondent on Comedy Central's The Daily Show with Trevor Noah for six years. She took over the main chair as guest and hosted multiple times last year to critical acclaim and now serves as a contributor. Also, under this banner, she co-hosted the popular podcast Hold Up with Daily Show writer and fellow comedian Josh Johnson. On the podcast, the two co-workers turned their hilarious, unpredictable, and legendary office banter into a weekly war of words about topics big and small, but mostly small. You can see some of her Daily Show segments, which have garnered millions of views on YouTube. So, sit back. Relax and enjoy this two-part episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast featuring actor Jordan Calloway and actor-comedian Dolce Sloan, hosted by Ryan. Jordan, thank you so much again for joining me. I'm so hyped. I'm so excited. Look, we need to do this on video next time so they can see how how smiley and hype you are right now. <laughs> I like the energy. I like the energy that you're bringing. Yeah, I'm coming. I'm waiting. I had a little bit of coffee, so I'm, I'm kicking back in now. All oh, right. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that cup of coffee will get you straight. Listen, we <laughs> just talked about this before we started hitting record. Um, I haven't got to talk to you since Painkiller. And let me tell you, that character will live like rent-free in my mind forever. It was my favorite role that you ever did. Because it was, I've never seen anybody bring so much heart to somebody that you would think is a villain, that you were always like rooting for him, trying to find out, you know, where is he? What's he going to go next? And we know how the Hollywood game is, but I got to tell you, that pilot was grown and sexy. And I hope that I was wishing it was going to keep going. I was wishing it was going to keep going. (laughs) 
But if you kept going, I wouldn't be here to talk to you about some fires. It's true, right? It's true, right? You know, the universe leads you to where you need to go, right? It's all it is, you know? know All I I do is put myself up and let God blow the wind where I'm supposed to go. That's what it is. Hey, you know what? He don't make any mistakes. So you know what? He puts you right where you got to go, right? Um, I'm back to you. Um, you know, letting people know too, listeners, we're talking about fire country. You guys is going into season two, CBS, February 16th. So go ahead and get your, you know, I don't know if they'll see the DVR anymore, but you know, you can stream it, you know, just get your place. I'm sure somebody, I'm sure somebody's <laughs> auntie still got the DVR, auntie and uncle still got the TiVo. You're right, you know, you're right. You they, gotta support you know, the auntie. <laughs> so, you know, go ahead and get your recording ready, you know, set your reminders, get it straight because you it. don't want to miss this. But you know, okay, so with fire country. What I love that I can continue to see you do with your characters, and I want to know a little bit about how you kind of got drew into Jake and and pulled on and kind of created this character. But for his role, he's got this Superman kind of complex, right? But there's like, there's so many secrets and, um, you know, things he kind of hides because I think he is so protective of the people around him. How Mm -hmm. did you kind of like, first, I guess, number one, for people that don't know, how did you get introduced to the role? How did you get pulled into this world of the firefighters? And then oh, yeah. can you kind of take us into um, your, you know, your research on the character, kind of how you develop Jake? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great question. So um, when when the project was brought to us, to my, my team, um, it was originally for the role of Freddie. Um, I had originally read for the role of Freddie and um, I loved it. I love that character, you know, and I think uh, I think um, Trey played a great job of that character as well uh, from last season. But um, when I done the read, they then had me come in for the role of Jake. And I did, I mean, from then and there, like they, they were like, we love it, great, come on. And so I, I was pretty much, um, yeah, I, I, from that point on, I mean, that's when I started doing like my research. Um, once I, I, I knew that like I was in the role, um, I had already done my research before because it was interesting to me, just the uh, whole Three Rock, um, program what that was and and seeing how they were giving uh incarcerated uh individuals the opportunity to work their sentence off um and and i mean like for me i i immediately latched on to that because that's a story of redemption that's a story of uh maturation that's a story of of second chances of hope and um to be a part of um a project that wants to tell that story in a day where you have a lot of no more chances, cancel culture, all of that. And everybody's afraid of, you know, and trying to remain PC respectfully. But I think my big thing with seeing that is seeing redemption, um, seeing second chances, seeing hope given and seeing then how that will affect the individuals that are surrounded and now doing their own internal work um, that then makes them better people. So that's what really got me into the show. Um, and, and apparently it also got America and also the world into the yeah. show too. I mean, it's a it, side note, it's humbling to say that I'm a part of, you know, something that was a number one show. Um, and I know we only aim to continue to do more and better work um but that's not possible if it wasn't for you know the writing staff for telling a beautiful story that would grab and garner the attention of uh our fans um and of america and and the world right and i think that you see the success rate from that it it really is 
because of the redemptive aspect of that. And I think that's what society we all want and need right now is a reminder that um, redemption, forgiveness, um, it is invaluable to right. to us nowadays, um, especially in society where we are, you know? Um, so that was that was leading up. That was once I got the role. Now, when I when I've gotten the role of Jake, the the amount of research that I did, the uh, talking with our uh, fire tech guys, um, Jeff Snyder and uh, Simon, you know, sitting with them, going to seminars with them, they've set up for us to have uh, ride alongs this year where we can do ride alongs and just also see and acclimate to firehouse mentality. Wow. Yeah. Um, and what's been great about that is. What I'm seeing across the board with all of these firefighting men and women, there's a selflessness with ease. It's it's not even second guess. It's not it's it's a selflessness, and it's one of the things that is I think a a trademark of firefighters as well as uh, first responders, paramedics. Um, that this sacrifice is not one of expectance or one of, oh, I'm questioning, like, do I really want to go in that burning fire? Right. Like, no. Yeah. Oh, we got people in there? Got it. Y'all know what to do. Let's go and do it. Nobody else is going to get it done. Sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So um, in in that, in the growth of my character of Jake um, and in what I've found from season one to season two, is he, he's matured a lot more before he had like you said that superman mentality that that i want to help i want to do this it's kind of an adrenaline junkie too um but his heart we're seeing now in season two you're seeing that a lot more his heart is in the right place it's not just a job for him it's not just this no no no, no. this man who is now developing into a man as a captain in his new roles, in his new responsibilities, he's unlayering these things about himself. Like you said before, he would keep quiet. He would he would remain um, in himself and he wouldn't express himself. He didn't know how to, he didn't know, he didn't have the tools of how to do that. However, you're seeing with Kara, she's the one that's also been allowed to pull him out of that, to allow him to come out of his shell. And that was his his first love from high school. So you're seeing Jake when he's actually being rebuilt mm -hmm. and built up stronger with the support, funny enough, of a woman. Who would have thought we need y'all? <laughs> of course we do. So, yeah. so it's beautiful in seeing yeah. that, you know, especially when you see him as the uh, playboy, like ladies man, um, he didn't know if he wanted to, um, if he if he was in love yet, or if he wanted to settle down. He he, he kind of wanted to. He 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 thought he did, but it 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 wasn't the right person. And so it took the right person in order to also see where he is now. Because first episode, who's the one that's trying to rally the troops? Oh, it's Jake. Why yeah. for his boy, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a resounding bell that we've seen because first season, the only two times you see him break down. The only two times was with his mama, which mm -hmm. every black boy going to do. We going to break yep. down with our mama. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mama, mama the only one that don't get that. But, <laughs> typically. but then also with his boy, Bodie, when yeah. he felt betrayed, when he felt like he didn't have anybody, when he felt isolated, isolated. That's yeah. what we saw Jake a lot of, isolated. Now, where do we pick Bodie up at? What's he done? Mm -hmm. Isolated. 
Yeah. No, 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 yeah. my dog. Uh-uh. We're not going to do that. You're not going to leave me with this baby. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, sir. So, uh, yeah. So, so you have, so, so, I mean, like, obviously that's not Jake's intention, but that's his yeah. boy. Just yeah. like Bodie had his back. He's not going to let Bodie, and he, and he even says it on the phone. He's like, yo, shut up. Yeah. That's not who you are. I don't care what you think. I don't care you being in prison or anything like that. And like, yo, I got to check myself because you know how we would talk to our own. You know how. Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. Hit them, absolutely. Yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, you know, it's, it's so true, though, man. Yeah. Like, and and I, I really am appreciative. Like, the more I think about it, I really am appreciative of Tia, of Tony, Joan, Max, um, all of these non-Black people being sensitive to a Black case, though. Mm, there you go. Letting, yeah. letting a Black man earn his stripes to being captain, seeing yeah. him, you know, gain and grow and, and, and mature. Um, and, and, I, and I do love the fact that while over in in at 42 it's not a matter of black and white yeah. vince he will look at me and he'll see me like yo you respond you can do this go get it get it done that's yeah. that trust that you know and so i love that they also show that and paint that as well but then they also when my mama came first season you don't understand my son is black your son's white they don't shy from that so i'm appreciative of I, I have to say it, of our writing staff, because that's where it starts from, of them being aware of that. But then also showing like, yo, we want to show these characters of being who they are based off their character, you know, right. and based Absolutely. off of their growth, you know. So I, I, I love that. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for you guys to see about season two. And you see the, like I said, the maturation for Jake from season one to here. And, you know, I want to kind of focus on um, some of the relationships you kind of hit on very quickly um, to kind of zone in, uh, zone in a little bit. Max, who, for people that don't know, that haven't watched it, that plays Bodie. The dynamic between you guys is amazing because every time you hear him say, yo, B, uh, B, I need to, you don't know if it's going to be, they getting ready to fight in the middle of, we got like a wildfire going over here, something yeah. personal, you know, but they have this connection where it's also to, they can hug in the middle and be like, listen, you need me to repel down this cliff with you? I got you. Let's go. Yeah. And, you know, and it shows that different side. And yeah. I kind of want to talk to you about, like, how did you and Max um, also create on the show, which is fantastic. How did you guys talk about, right, that's a, that's amazing. How did you guys talk you about, yeah, go ahead. Tell me about I it. Tell me about it. About that man. Like, I can't tell you, like, that is, that man is, I, I forget who I was telling, but, like, he's the type of number one that you want to rally behind mm. we film out here in these sticks and in, in these woods when it's muddy when it's raining and guess who's out there too him our number one our creator wow. yeah yeah even, mm. even even when he doesn't have to be i mean this man he he's like he really he deserves all of his excuse my language fucking roses he does like yeah, that man yeah, yeah absolutely it's fantastic and, yeah. and he and he holds it with a grace he holds it with a humbleness um and and you know what I mean? Like I can't I can't tell you like how I've done this for a long time. So to work with somebody that also is talented, but then also is humble, and then creates an environment where it's not an above or below the line with our crew. We're all family. 
So I just have I to say that. that because yeah, that, that is cool. that is something to 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 sing praises of. I'm second generation. Mom was an actress or still acts and model used to model. Dad is a cinematographer. So I don't play that below above the line, right? Yeah. But okay. um but getting back into the meat of, of what we're doing, I mean, I just had to give him his praise because this man, so he created a world where it's founded in redemption, the story is, right? Mm -hmm. And we're showcasing individuals on their journey to becoming better, not just at Three Rock, but also 42. Because guess what? Even the heroes that you may consider heroes, they have their flaws, yep. their flaws, right? And so, I, and, and that's one of the things I really am excited about too, is that we're back to this show where we're showcasing incarcerated men and women working on themselves and showing like, and giving not just hope or showing that to the audience, but also giving that hope to those that are still in prison, showing them, hey, guess what? There is another way out. That's something, that's something to, how, how can you not be ecstatic about that? Oh yeah, oh yeah, it has you on the edge of your seat the uh, the turns are gonna take and like you said yeah. it's not just your regular your you know procedural drama or whatever it has the other element yeah. where it's like okay you have the 42 you got the three rock you know you may see these the 42 is like okay these stand-up citizens this is their world you know why do we have the inmates over here fighting but they are like i'm gonna drive into that fire too like i got something to prove i want my second exactly. chance let's go and they're working together Exactly. And so and so to that point, working together, right? Yeah. You talked about that that synergy that Max yep. and I have. It's funny yep. that beat that that was something that I was just calling them off off rip. And they was like, We like that. That's gonna be you and uh you and Bodhi saying like, yeah, love it. <laughs> yeah, that's because that's what I would call my boy. I'm like, mm -hmm. hey OB, let me talk to you, let me rap with you real quick. Like yeah. this ain't fine, or yo, I need your help with this. Yeah. Um and so, like, being able to see, to play that, like, I, I love the scene that um, we had the last, first season, uh, which was directed by Gonzalo, Gonzalo Amat. Um, and he, and, and in that episode was the one where, uh, when, when Jake was accused of being the arsonist, but the only person that had his corner was Bodhi. Yeah. And now we're seeing that juxtaposition or how tables have flipped with this, where it's like, Bodhi is in a lost state and he's about to make a terrible decision. But what does he end up doing? Listening to his friend, me, yeah. Jake, now had the opportunity to help pull him out of that fire. Um, right. I so like, I, so I love being able to showcase. And you know, the best thing about it, this is a white and black man, best friends. I want to show, I want to tell that story. I love that. Because you know what? I think that that's, we need to have that healing. Yeah. I think we need to have that healing. And, you know, I think it's, 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 it's crucial, especially with the, this next generation coming up and, and seeing where times are right now to be able to showcase that relationship of a black man, a white man, locked, yeah. tight, yeah. you know, um, I love it. I, I do. I love it. I'm, I'm excited about it. The other thing we got to touch on here, though, because I can't let you get away with this, because, listen, this is one of the things that pulled me about a uh, painkiller was the physicality, right? Oh, boy. the punches that do not get pulled in this show. Like, I'm scared for y'all. I'm like, what is going on? Like, you going off of cliffs. 
the explosions, like shout out to maybe the props, the special effects, the explosions yep, are it. insane. Tell me about yep. that. Like, what is like, what is it just every day on being on set? And they're like, oh, let's just do a mudslide right here. This is what we're about to go into right now. Yeah. Um, it's just so much fun. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it's so I'm much saying, fun. It looks like it's fun. I no, mean, it looks like I mean, to like, get in there and you guys are in the dirt in the ground. It's like, let's go. So so it's a lot of work. All right, so we're gonna talk about that mudslide real quick because that was okay. Spencer. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, Take us in there. Yeah, Jerry too. And yeah. Jerry too. I got y'all. Y'all gotta go and see the behind the scenes with that one though, because me and Jerry, yeah. who's one of our special effects guys, <laughs> they just dumping mud on me and Jules, and <laughs> just hitting us with hoses with just like dirt all there, just hitting us with that. I'm like, mm, this is what I signed up for. This is what I signed up for. But I mean, yeah, between the mudslides, between the extrications that we'll do, um, I mean, Doug and um, um, our, our, our uh, set decorating team, like they are immaculate with what they can build and tear down. Um, Kevin's episode, which is episode two, what what they what uh, Gabriella does in that episode and what they were able to create in the caverns, it's beautiful. It's yeah. absolutely stunning. You guys, like, you talk about, like, it's, like you said, that team. Over here at Fire Country, we have a respect for everybody's department because ain't no way I'm going to let my ass get in front of a fire that painkill is different. I can punch and throw a punch away. Exactly. Fire is different. Fire yeah. going like, oh, no, you, 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 you look a little burnt. Let me toast you up a little bit more, though. Like you get, you know, I mean, I'm light bright. What can I say? You know, they're going to get on my case. They want me darker. I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> but but I mean, it's, it, it is a lot of fun. And, and I mean, like we learned so much from Jeff Snyder and Simon, our two uh, fire techs. Like they they they're they're it's funny. They're 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 so good at like, OK, yeah, this is movie magic. But this is what we would actually do. You know, um, I mean, dealing with fires, we you saw, we don't just deal with fires. We deal with, you know, structure co collapses. Uh, we deal with um, mudslides, uh, earthquakes, you know, natural disasters. Um, it's, I'm not trying to give anything away with what's to come down the line, but the spectacle will be there. Just know no, that. Oh, no. Okay. And, and, and keep in mind, we're doing yeah. this in 10 episodes, right? So we've been working, we've been working hard because yeah, like it seems like every episode is another, is another, is another, and it just keeps ramping up, ramping up, ramping up. And I mean, like it it is some work. It's a lot different from Black Lightning. Um, this I would say this is more um strenuous on the body, especially when you uh incorporate episodes or twenty that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like when you look at the uh structure gear that we wear, that's about 15 pounds. If we mm. put our SCBAs on top of that, that's gonna be without air because they're not filled with air. But ooh, with the SCBAs, we'll probably that'll be about I want to say 30 or 40 pounds. So I mean, like we're we're carrying that weight. Like, I have a whole respect for these firefighters. Like, dang. And, and to actually like run through like in, and it's fun when we do our simulations of where we're going through the um, sets that they may build, like the the one where um, the the house had all the uh, ammo and everything. 
or um, yeah, that over at the, brewing, yep. at the brewing house, you know, like the brewing house. That wasn't a fire. That was gas, you know, that was released. It's different things that is also making America and the world aware of of, um, you know, just hazards, which is also informative, too. So that's that's also fun to be a part of, too. And, to, you know, no, I mean, like, it might save somebody's life. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I got me like it's the it's the time like me and my sister sitting down watching it. We're like Googling like, OK, you get a burn. Can you really get that burn, you know, from the computer cord and it comes out the other, you know, like you just you you thinking about like all this other stuff and you want to research and you like. Man, so if somebody has that kind of battery in their car, it could explode uh, over here. And how you, you know, it's just so many things that it has you on your edge of the seat. Like you're not just get caught up in their personal drama. You're over here researching, right? That bet your ass won't sleep with this next to your head no more, huh? Exactly. <laughs> no, no. I was sitting there like, oh, I need to, I need to move some of this stuff. Yeah. I need to move some of this stuff around. I'm like, I can't be just nodding off and and things are, you know, lit up. You got a little bit of heat. I'm telling you, like you touch something that's hot, you like, okay, I need to let this. Yeah. Cool down a little bit, you know, before I keep going. <laughs> Bless you. you so and so I'm telling you, it's a lot of tips of this. You guys got to check it out. Again, we are talking Fire Country, CBS, um, Friday, yeah. February 16th. Get ready. Okay, as we wrap up, Jordan, I got it. It's yeah. Black Girl Nerd, so you know we got to talk about comics. I always try to hit you with this. What are you reading right now? What comics you got going on? Because I know you love comics. So I'm doing uh, uh, my man's Lament, Lamont McGee, who is one of the writers for uh, which we call for Black Lightning. Um, his uh, he just got with Jeff Johns and they dropped. I, I actually ordered it, but let me actually give you the right name for it though, too, because oh, I like this. It, He's giving the research. Give us the right name. Uh -huh, I like it. Uh huh. Uh huh. Because they just came out. They just dropped them too. Like, and it actually hit. Um, what was it? Uh, number one. Uh, for uh comics, but it is they just dropped their Ghost Machine. So oh, uh, nice. Okay. Uh, yes. But Ghost, Ghost Machine, that's what I'm uh, starting to write he, or read. He did this with um, Jeff Johns when they uh, uh, stepped away and created their own um, uh, comics. Mm. So I'm I'm getting into that. I got to get into uh, to reading the first one, which is somewhere here. But I ordered it when I had to come up here to film. But um, but then Ghost Machine, that's that's the ones that I'm on. Nice. Uh, right there you now. go. Add it to, I'm adding to the reading list. I like it. And then, and then the other thing was well, not a comic, but I've been going through the uh, the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, so I've been doing an audio book on that. You know, getting some good old history. Oh, you know, okay. yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, we like to learn. On. I ain't mad at it. I ain't mad at it. Be a little learning. <laughs> well, <laughs> listen, people gonna get a little. Say it, say it again. Where you think all the great stories come from? Hey, listen, you gotta know your history. Get it together, right? Yeah. And we talking in the middle of Black History Month. Get it together, people. Go out there, and get your history together, research it. Learn it. Listen, Jordan, you are the best. You already know it. I'm waiting for, I'm always going to be watching Fire Country season two. I'm ready for the next season three. I'm ready for whatever else you got going on because I know it's going to be that Superman action. It's going to be some kind of weight lift. You're going to be throwing something. So I'm always ready. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm getting up there in age right now and all of this working on these fires. Like I'm realizing my back don't do what it used to do Listen, anymore. Listen, sir, so. black don't <laughs> crack. You good. Keep it pushing. Keep I know it, pushing, I know it don't Listen, crack, but, listen but we got the, we watching you. Listen, listen you know what? Listen, listen, we'll give you a little extra inspiration as we, you know, continue to watch the show that you keep going for season three. You got it. You know, just put your I little icy hot or something. Icy hot on you it. Right. 
you right. Okay, you right. <laughs> that that sounds very uh like like a very good medical uh, uh advice. I'm gonna take it. Listen, listen. Now, y'all, if he don't make it on what it don't say, y'all don't y'all don't hold me to that. If he don't Ryan, make it on what nah, it doesn't Ryan Bennett. That, that's Ryan Bennett, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I want you to know. Y'all here. I just wanted him now. to keep going, y'all, because I was a fan. You know, I ain't really want him to hurt nothing in that other season finale. You know what I mean? Oh, how they backtrack. Oh, how you backtrack. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going back on that one. <laughs> but, yeah, oh, I appreciate Mama, it. Love you. I appreciate it so much. All love, love. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. And let me give you a little tip off the top here, right? I'm gonna start with the tip. If you want to start a conversation, you know, you want to kind of wake up your audience a little bit, start it with hello friends, right? I think that's really important because, you know, you feel like somebody about to have a real moment with you, right? Or it's going to get real comfortable, you know, in the discussion. And, you know, just in case, you know, it's just a little old me saying that. And just in case you don't believe me. My guest today, comedian, actress, contributor to The Daily Show, podcast host, I'm probably forgetting something, but let me just go ahead and throw in GLAAD Award nominee. We're going to get into that with her. Um, I'm talking about Dulce Sloan. Dulce, how you doing? Hello, friend. How are you? I'm doing good. You guys, she braved LA traffic for me. I'm so thankful to talk to her because she is doing it right now. She stays booked, which I love. Yes, yes, when yes. When you're talking uh, about black women staying on the move, she stays booked. So I love it. Um, but before I do say, we got to talk about this nomination. I got to start off with the award shows because, you know, we in award season. Everybody's trying to catch yes. up. We out of the strikes. Yes. So everybody's just like, that's all we're talking about right now. So I'm going to yes. keep it going. So let's talk about the GLAAD nomination. Um, so talking to Sasha Kobe is for The Daily Show. You've been doing yes. your thing as a like, you've been guest hosting a couple times. You're the contributor now. Tell us, like, where were you when you found out you got the nomination or were nominated? Um, I woke up this morning to a uh, text from our um, EP at the show, our executive producer of the show, Jen Flans. And she was like, congrats on the nomination. And I was like, what is she talking about? And I was like, oh, the show probably got nominated. And then I went and looked it up and I was like, oh, no, it was me. <laughs> so I was like, why? It was the whole show. So I guess she has to text, you know, all the correspondents. But I was like, wait, what? And so I uh, I looked it up. And so it's for um, my, so during my hosting week, uh, I interviewed um, winner of RuPaul's Drag Race season 15, my drag mother, um, my new mother, Sasha Colby, um, <laughs> for the show. And that's the, that's what got nominated. It was the episode of the show where I interviewed her. And the show was, um, it was about being like a happy trans person. And she was talking about how she no longer wanted to see the stories on in media of just the tragic trans person. And I was like, yeah, because I'm tired of seeing a sad fat girl. So like, I completely understand yeah, uh, where she's coming from. So it's like, it's been an interesting couple of days because like on Monday, the show won an Emmy. Trevor won an Emmy. We won an Emmy. And then, um, this morning I woke up and I got nominated for a GLAAD award. Like me, personally. So, Listen, look at Jesus. I, believe, is all I, believe, I know, right? Right? He puts you exactly where you need to be, right? And I just, yeah. I love it because if you guys have not saw this, see, um, checked out this interview of The Daily Show with Sasha Colby, it is fantastic. 
is so is so relatable, which I love about everything you do, Dulce. It's just so Thank you bring you. you always bring a home, you keep it down to earth. So you guys go check this out. YouTube is your friend if you haven't seen it yet. But judging on the nominee and all the views, I'm sure y'all probably have saw it. So you know, watch it again, show us some love. Um, Dulce, you already talked about the Emmys um with the Daily Show with Trevor Noah. How was that? I saw you on the stage, girl. You look cute. I saw the dress and everything. I was like, it's I Thank a, you so I, much. I, I pushed. I pulled in for that one. I got on the edges. I was on the couch and I was real chill, and, and until you. I saw it, I was like, "Okay, so how do you gotta tell us? Like, what is it going?" I feel like if you're nerding out like me, you're always sitting on the couch watching these award shows, and we don't really know what it's like behind the scenes. So, give us a little bit. How was it like? You know, you're on the stage. You guys look fabulous. How is everything at the Emmys? Um, one when I got on stage, everything all of a sudden looked very small. Um, because it was like this room is huge, and then you're standing here, and it's like, oh, this did get very small. Um, but we were walking up, and I was like, I can't trip. And then I took Desi's hand to make sure Desi didn't trip. Um, mm -hmm. but one thing I did make sure is that I was standing right next to Trevor. Uh, also, I was one of the first people to get on stage because we were closer. Um, but I'm gonna tell you something right now. I've been yeah. to Emmys. This is my fourth time going. Right? Okay. And any other time, I hope we won, but I wasn't sure because, you know, John Oliver was in our category. But right, when we right. got there and I saw how close our seats were, I was like, now, hold on. We ain't never been this close to the stage before. <laughs> Ever. And I know how logistics works. You don't want to spend a whole bunch of time waiting for people to get up on the stage. So I saw how close them seats were. And I was yeah. sitting right next to You know, all the correspondents were in the same row. And then Trevor was in the middle. And I was like, wait, he, because Trevor's all the way down in the front. But, you know, they had the correspondence all the way in the back and to the left. So when I saw how close we were, I was like, oh, shit, we might actually be winning this thing because they want to make sure that we are, we're close enough to the stage to get there in time. Um, what I did want Trevor to do was do his acceptance speech long enough so that um, Anthony Anderson's mother had to say something to him. I know. Um, that was hilarious. That was hilarious that she was added to the show. Fantastic. Let me tell you something. I bet you that that was the first time in Emmy's history that people weren't re repeatedly going over their time. I, oh, yeah. I want statistics. I want numbers. Yep. I'm yep. telling you right now because they're probably like people going over and Anthony went because what y'all don't know is like before the show started there, there was a video of his mom telling people what and I was like this is who is Mama Jo? What's happening? And so because there's a video of her standing in front she's like I think, I think if you said it was Mama Joyce or Mama Diane, whatever her name is. I apologize. I can't remember. But they played this clip of her and I was like, mm. okay, Black Mama telling us what to do. All right, that makes sense. And then when he introduced her and said, listen, if y'all go over, my mother is going to tell you to wrap it up. I was like, oh, nobody's going over. And I'm sitting right next to Roy. I said, this is the best thing. I promise you, no matter who the host is next year, they need, I'm, I'm telling you, she's probably going to be back. Whether Anthony hosts or not, for the first time, she's probably going to be hired for every award show. Like, it's just, this is going to be a new thing we do for award shows. We're just like, oh, the Tonys, we need a black mother. We need a black yep. mother to make sure. Yep. Because I have never seen people stick to their time the way people stuck to their time. Yes. They were like, it felt like they were speed reading. They was they looking were, down, like checking the clock. It, it was great. I'm like, wow. So this is all we needed for all award shows to have a black mama. Watch you on yes. the side and be like, don't nobody want to hear that. Hurry up and thank Jesus and your family. Keep it pushing. Thank Jesus and your family. Keep it pushing. Like that dude said when he went over, he's like, 
oh yeah let me thank jesus my family keep it pushing <laughs> like it was amazing i was like and okay, that was just him be... pushing it just because he wanted her to say something to her it that was you you're right that was hilarious to watch everybody actually be cognizant at a time because usually nobody cares because jennifer coolidge will go over because she don't care because she is a beast and she is an icon and she's a legend and she is the right. moment but um also uh io is also currently the moment um yes she is the yes. best part about io and quinta and janelle james winning all these awards and San and shirley ralph winning these awards is that shirley ralph within the original production of dream girls that i think premiered the year i was born Ooh, so yeah see see i think we were in 1983 and so to mm -hmm. see shirley ralph i mean this woman isn't getting flowers she's getting bouquet she's getting wholesale flowers um right. yep and then to see niecy nash mm -hmm. and her getting her recognition yeah. in a dramatic space um and then to see her and her wife together it's been really amazing to see um and then the other cool part about it just to give you all a little, like a little inside baseball or background or whatever it's yeah. now i've been working you know this is my this is my fourth emmys and the fact that like I'm standing on the red carpet and it's like, oh hey, like I was just casual, like I was casually talking to Taraji, or I was talking to Cheryl Lee Ralph. And so the fact that like they recognize, I'm not friends with them, but it's like they recognize me enough to like, oh hey girl, what's up? Well hey, how are you doing? Da, 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 da. And it's like to know that when Cheryl Lee like Cheryl Lee Ralph sees me, she recognizes me. And Padma Lodge me, I did her show. She had a show at the Bell House. And I was talking to her and her daughter. And it's like, oh. And then, like, Ali Wong came up to me and was talking to me. Um, and I'd opened for Ali years ago at the Improv in Atlanta, but I haven't seen her in years. And so her knowing me and then, like, um, being able to talk to Angela Bassett at NAACP Awards because uh, she'd come on Daily Show uh, was really great. was really great. And so that was a thing that's, like, been kind of surreal where it's like, now you're coming to these award shows and you're like, okay, yeah, I know how this goes. All right, stand here, stand here. Okay, but where's Lisa Ann Walter? Where is T.S. Madison? Yeah. Where is um, Giancarlo Esposito? So seeing these people who you're a fan of and you appreciate has been really great to do. Yeah, it was just all, all that you mentioned. I can't even imagine because you just, you grow up with so many of those people. And like you said, to have them recognize you, to be in that space is is just amazing and it was just it wasn't like if you guys i know it's kind of it's a long show i know the emmys is long but maybe you catch the clips or something like that it was just amazing like you point out the diversity in the nominations you looking out to the audience you like i've seen all these people you know for the culture it was something powerful to just see everybody get nominated um well, so well that's the so fact cool. that Quint oh the fact that quintess i'm sorry i don't want to interrupt you uh no, no, go ahead. Quinta won Best Actress in a Comedy Series. The last person to win that was Isabel Sanford in 1981 for the Jeffersons. I saw that. Was the last time a black woman that. won that. And I was like, mm -hmm. there is no way that there is not a funny leading black woman on TV since 1981? No. No. Yeah, um, that's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy because Tisha Campbell and Tashina Arnold still walk the earth. Yep. Yep. They're still they, walking I love in their the bit about that too. They point I kind of felt like they pointed out that too. Like, you know, they were sitting there for the cast of Martin. It was like, come on now. 
You know, what's going on? Right. And then you talk about, you know, how uh, Friends was a copy of Living Single. So it's like, it's mm-hmm. it was really great to see, you know, Marla Gibbs, uh, you know, Niecy won her award. Niecy Nash Betts won her award. And Marla Gibbs and Quinta were presenting the award to her. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, so it's amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. But also, I can tell you, there's so many times. So, you know, the team for the show this year was, I think it was all black executive producer. I think it was all black women who executive produced this year, I think. Wow. Um, I think I saw I that online. I did not know that. That's amazing. I, I want to double check that. Uh, and so I can tell you this, the fourth Emmys that I've been to, this is the first one where I was not bored out of my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, well, no, not the, well, the one where Keenan hosted was hilarious and Sam J was doing the, um, the announcing. That was very funny. Yeah. But it was the first, it was, I can tell you, so that was the third Emmys. Um, the first and second one I went to, I was like, girl, who is, you see what I'm saying? So I was like, I had yeah. no idea yeah. like, what was exactly. going on. Exactly. And so the first one, you know, what's going on, my mother, my mother was with me, but then like this one, especially, it was like the one I was the most, one, we actually had a chance of winning. So I was very dialed in, but also it was, it was upbeat. It was up pace. It was, you know, Chris Spencer, was um I believe one of the writers on the show and so I just met him at an event and he's like Tulsa Roy and we were close enough for someone to be yelling at us from the stage and I was like you know what we might just win this thing because we're that close to the stage yeah um but also to be in in that moment and just go when they honestly when they announced the name it was I was not thinking about myself at all. At mm. all. Mm. I was thinking about Trevor. Yeah. And I think about everything that he went through in the public eye and behind the scenes and, you know, him taking this show 20 years something legacy and having to make it his own. And then, because he was there for seven years, I came in his third year there. So I was with him for five years. And so helping him create the show that he wanted to create and being in the pandemic with him and trying to figure it out and, and everybody trying to figure out what we're going to do. We can't be in the studio. So me learning way too much about sound and lights and cameras because I had to do it from my house. Um, yeah. But wanting to be so when they said the daily show with Trevor Noah, I was like, like we did it. I was like, he did it. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So even in that moment, it was like, I know I put in a lot of work. I know I'm one of the reasons that we won. But it's they saw what he did. Yeah. Yeah. They saw what he was trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that I was able to be a part of his vision and being able to bring it to fruition because there were a lot of days where it was very hard to be at that show. Yeah. Because when you get that, there's no, it's not like when I start, usually when you start a job, somebody's like, okay, listen, so here's where the office supplies are. Um, and here is like, I worked a lot of office jobs and somebody has trained you. Yeah. And I got in there and they're like, here's your office, here's the bathroom come to this meeting and I had to figure it out 
Wow. And it's, it's that's amazing. It was a lot. And so so the so it was a lot of feelings when we went on the stage. But I can tell you everything was really big and then they called our names. We walked up there and I was like, oh, damn, this wasn't as big as I thought it was. And when I looked up and I was like, oh no, this is this is fucking huge. But I just so when somebody said to me, they're like, when you watch it, it's me on one side and then Roy on the other side of him. Yeah. And I that wasn't intentional. I mean, I did make sure I was in the front because my dress did look great. Um it was cute. But all thank you. But also it was I want y'all to see me. I want y'all to see us. I want y'all to see that, you know, I'm one of the faces of the show. And so I wanted to be right behind him. And so to see the Brock, you know, to see, because like my family in Georgia was sending me pictures, like my niece and my cousin was sending me pictures. And so to see Roy on the other side of him, because it was like Trevor said, and, you know, his second speech, he was naming people and he named Roy. And it was like, he, relied on Roy and I relied on Roy and it was just it was really great to see him get the recognition also people don't know it's like when you're in these moments sometimes your brain doesn't record yeah yeah and you kind of have to go back and go wait what the what the fuck what the what what the fuck right because I don't because I'm telling you right now I don't for a second I didn't know what Trevor was saying oh yeah because I believe that because the moment was crazy yeah, and then everybody's coming on stage, so you're making sure like everybody's up here and da 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 da. But girl, if I could do anything, let me tell you something. When I board a plane, I'm usually in the front of the line because yeah. I'm not stumbling over nobody. I'm not gonna be, and I'm not gonna be standing behind white folks. So let me make sure I'm in the front of the line. <laughs> Y'all can see me. I supported this man, and so yeah, it's um, it was a really surreal thing. And then when you get after you win, you gotta. It was funny. It was funny because one of the writers kept, uh, you know, you take a picture. And then you go into another room and take another picture. And then you go into another room and take another picture. And he was just like, how many rooms are we going to be? And I was like, sir, welcome to being talent. <laughs> this is what we do. Okay? You go in a room. You take a picture. Yeah. And then you go in another fucking room. This is yeah. what we do. He was like, this is too much. I was like, welcome to being, welcome to being talent, baby. Because this is what I, I said. Why do you think I got this dress on? Why do you think I got my hair did today? So, yeah. But it was, it was, it was pretty great. Listen, I'm feeling what you're putting down. Y'all did the thing. I'm, ex- I'm just, it was just so exciting. Like, I hope people keep, like, cutting the clips up, sharing them. And, you know, hopefully it's not one of those things where it's like a one-off sort of Emmy thing. I hope it keeps going. I just hope it, like, you know, keeps trickling down and people keep looking at, you know, how fal- fabulous y'all looked. All the melanin last night. Um, well, it's also gonna, well, the clip of Roy, there's a clip of Roy. I don't know yeah. if you've seen it, uh, while we were on stage, Roy is mouthing the words, please pick a host. Oh, I didn't see. No, I didn't see that. I'm going to have to find a clip. If you go on uh, the website formerly known as Twitter. Yeah. And you type in, don't go to Roy's Instagram. I mean, don't yeah. go to Roy's page. Just put, just type in Roy Wood Jr. and yeah. let it search. And within, because I didn't realize he was doing it, I couldn't see him. And within minutes, within minutes, it's Roy mouthing, please hire 
a host during the acceptance speech. It's hilarious. Wow. Yeah, I'm definitely going to go back and find that. Y'all search it out, too. I'm going to go back and find that. Wow. It's nuts. I'm telling you, within a matter of minutes of him sitting down, it was already on all over all over the app. I was like, so I looked over and said, why are you on Twitter? He was like, you'll see. I was like, okay. And <laughs> I saw it. I was like, Toyland. So, yeah, girl. But apparently Trevor is the first black person to win an enemy for an outstanding talk series. Man, I tell you, it's it's just phenomenal, these first, but you're also at the same time, like, when do we get to stop saying that? You know, when is it going to be that you know, that 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 effect went at the other, that trickle down effect where we don't have to be like, okay, 10, 10 years from now, here goes another one. You know, like where they finally start, you know, start realizing and taking notes. So I mean Taraji Pinhens. Yeah. Taraji did the same asked the same question years ago. Oh yeah. When yeah. What she's like, what are you looking forward to? And she's like, when we can stop having the first of us to do something. And yeah. I just, and I want that for us, but I want that for everybody else. Absolutely. Yeah. I want it for everybody, every person of color, every marginalized group. We can get to a point where it's just like, she's the first Asian American woman to ever want to track me. I'm like, okay, cool. All right. I, God bless. Or, you know, this is the first, you know, indigenous man to win an Emmy for editing. It's like, all right. Yeah. We've had the Emmys for 75 years. We've had, Multiple award shows for over 50, 60, 70 years. But, you know, we always have to remember it's people think just because I did a podcast one time and the host was like, uh, she saw a show in the 70s with a black person on it. So she thought, and with Obama, she's like, oh, well, she thought racism was over. And I was like, but have you been alive this whole time? Right. Yeah. Have you watched? Have you been outside? Have you existed as a person walking in nature? Like, what do you mean? Exactly. Yep. Because we put black people on TV in the seventies, we're still getting murdered by the cops. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And so it's, girl, it's a lot. What's your next question? Because I I ramble. Go ahead. Listen, I was having. I'm about to say I'm gonna have to. One of us gonna have to cut it off because I love to just rant. But I can just talk to you about the Emmys and just you know respect for minority groups that need to be you know all day. So, um, yeah. but let's get to your, let's get to, go ahead, go ahead. What were you going to ask? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's good. Cause like, listen, I've been to the NWCP awards. I love to go to the Alma awards, you know, cause I have family that's Mexican. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like play cousins, uh, but <laughs> when you grow up with people, they're family. Yeah. Um, I love right, have exactly, nieces, cousins, yeah. sisters, but you know, the whole family is my family. And, uh, it's just, it's interesting that you talk to white people and it's just like, where do you live? I live here. Mm-hmm. Where do you live? It is yeah. fucking my, it is mind bottling, not boggling, bottling. Because yeah. it's like, what the fuck do you see all day? Because I see America. I'm always confused how white people don't know how America works. It's, it is, I'm like, y'all built this shit. How the fuck are you so confused as to what happened? Anyway, girl. Oh, what's the next question? I'm sorry. Listen, we can, listen that's going to have to be your next book. But we're going to talk about your first book first. <laughs> yes. Thank um, you. Hello, friends. Okay, you guys, yes. listen. 
Listen, listen. Okay, so Dulce, she's talking about her dating. She's talking about dating life and this. We got the destiny. We got the day jobs. Yes. But see, Dulce, this is what got me, right? When I first, I got my advance copy, y'all. I got to y'all, I'm telling y'all, I'm still been going through this book, y'all, laughing. Like, I've been on my break looking at it, reading, laughing. People are like, what is she over there reading, laughing at? Um, Thank But you. what got me was... You're so open and honest anyway, I feel. That's one of the things I yeah. love about watching, like, you know, seeing you on stage, you know, on a daily show. I just feel like you're you're not afraid to be yourself. But this no. is like, if so I can say unfiltered, right? But this is like you're taking maybe another filter off, you know, that maybe we didn't know that you had on to begin with. But it's just so well, revealing. Well, it's not a filter. What I did was, so I talked to Michelle Buteau about... Yeah. Uh, for writing her book, Survival of the Thickest. And mm. I was like, Michelle, my manager tricked me into writing a book. Um, so, and people were like, he didn't trick you. And I was like, yeah, he did. Because he brought it up and I was like, I don't know. And he said, let's just take a meeting. Mm-hmm. Let's just take a meeting. Talk to some people. Just see what happens. And I was like, all right, I'll take a meeting. I have an hour out of a day. And then we talked to the book agent. I'm like, well, let's just see if there's, you know, if there's any interest behind it or you know we got to make a proposal first so i write up a little proposal i'm like and i was like i don't know about this he's like let's just see if anyone's interested in the proposal i'm like well all right i don't have to do any work behind that okay we'll see what happens right and then somebody bought the book and Skate was like yeah we'll do it and i was like well what the wait <laughs> so him and my book agent calls me all excited and i was in the uk working on a tv show um the great American joke off. And he called me. I'm in the beach in Brighton on the rockiest beach I've ever been on in my life. Awful. Mm-hmm. Fighting seagulls from the fishing ships. Oh, and girl, them birds are so strong. Um, I never in my life thought I would have to fight a bird for cod. Um, and he's like, well, you sold the book. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. Does that mean I have to write a fucking book? And he was like, yes. I was like, ah. Who invented this? This is not what I intended to do. Stop a bitch. So now I have to write. So then I wrote a book and, you know. I'm excited and I'm glad you wrote a book. Let me just put that out there. I'm glad. Thank you. But the premise that I was, I talked to Michelle Buteau. She said, well, start with stories that you want to tell on stage that are too long. And that's that's how I started coming. And that's exactly what it was. So it's like, so there's a story about me, you know, being uh, one of the dating stories is me, uh, a guy I was seeing who, um, the egg story where he's tapping yep, yep. the shells into the sink. I don't want to ruin it for y'all, but it's fucking wild. And so that was a bit that I was doing on stage. I'm just like, honestly, this doesn't truly work yeah. because you need too much context and too much backstory about it. And then it's connected with the other guy that I used to date because, you know, and I was like, all right, this would be a good one for the book. Um, and so that's where I started from. And then it was like, well, you have to know backstory into who I am. Um, I like to tell you the story of how I got my name, um, Ooh, which is that. very, love that. It's a very silly story. People are like, so you named after my, one of my favorite things people tell me, well, I had a lady come up to me very confidently and go, well, you know, your name is spelled wrong. I was like, no, it's not. What? Like, well, it should be D. Oh, I said that is Italian. My name is Spanish. And she was like, What? I said, You might have wanted to do some research. Probably. Bef- I mean, that probably would have helped. Just a smooth Google. 
before you came in my Christian face and said, hi, your mother's a moron. This is what you just did to me. So no, my name is not misspelled. My name is Spanish and not Italian. Yeah. It's like, it's Dolce. It's Dolce, you goofy bitch. No, it's not. What are you talking about? Stop it. And so, but when I talk about like, I got named after a Cuban woman that my mother went to hair school with as a teenager. And I was like, mama, who is this woman? She said, well, they were trying to tell us she was 17, but she was 30 if she was a day. I'm like, mama, how you know that? She said, girl, we had purses. That bitch had a handbag. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so and I know exactly. in the family. I love this. Oh, my mother is a goofball. There's my favorite beverages. Uh, my favorite alcoholic beverage is soju. It's a Korean rice, mm-hmm. uh, rice liquor, rice wine. Yeah. And there was like a pomegranate. So my mom, she started, she got on it too. And uh, there's this pomegranate flavor and she absolutely hated it. Yeah. And I was like, mama, it's good. And she was like, no, it's not. I said, your, I said, your mouth is broken. She said, your tongue is flat. And I was like, what does that mean? But I didn't know what it meant, but it felt wrong. So this is, but my grandma was the same way. My mother said she, my grandma used to go to like the little trick shops, like the yeah. uh, novelty gift and magic stores. And uh, she said one time my grandma, her mom bought a, um, a, the world's smallest piece of the world's smallest roll of toilet paper. You're kidding. Oh, and so gosh. I remember this as a kid. It used to come in a box. It yeah. was literally like a Barbary size roll of toilet paper that came in like this like nice little wooden box. And then she said, my grandma came up to her one day, tore off a piece and handed it to her and said, now don't say I never gave you nothing. And then just literally walked away. So this is who I've been dealing with. These are the people. Oh, I love it though. I love it. That's so a, they're very. Like that's a that's a cool family to grow up in. They're very silly ladies. Uh, the other thing about my grandma is that she people talk about like grandma whooping them. My grandma never whooped us ever. She what? would hire my mom to do it. Okay, okay. I I was waiting to see where the story was going. Right. So my mom was like, "So your grandma?" So one of my friends was like, "So your grandma put hits on you?" I was like, listen, my grandma had five kids. Four of them were boys. I think she got tired of whooping kids. And so if ever there was an issue, and my mom, because we used to live with my grandma, my mother would come home, and my grandma would be like, Marianne, I need you to whoop Deuce and Lawrence. And I was like, wait a minute, what happened here? And so, yeah, because we did a whoopable offense. My grandma was like, mm, I'm not doing this. Also, by the time I was nine, me and her were the same height. So she's like, I, I don't I, listen. I'm in, I'm in my fifties. I'm not doing this. But my daughter, who had these children, yeah, she can do it. So my grandma was hilarious because it was like I'm not even whooping kids anymore. You, the the one that made these kids, you, you hit them. I'm gonna go make some chitlins. Like, okay. <laughs> Listen, so that's family. smart though, right? Like you can outsource the whooping. Like I guess that's how you do it, right? I, I don't know. I mean, you know, sounds smart. I mean, listen, if if I were Beulah, I would have done it. Because I, I always was like, oh, my grandma used to, I was like, my grandma never touched me. I'm like, what? I said, because she hired my mom. And everybody was like, yo, that's fucked up. I said, how is this wild to, okay, was this fucked up? <laughs> oh, I mean, it sounds kind of genius to me. Like, you know, you could just like, why am I going through all this? Just, I got somebody else. Let me hire you. I mean, you know, I got somebody younger. You got this. Yeah, I got somebody younger. I got somebody with the stamina. I got somebody with the resolve. Yep. And I have someone who is their actual parent. Let's go. So, <laughs> yeah. 
I like this it. is I like it. It's smart. Thank I'm you. Not, but yeah, I'm not it, mad at it at all. No, I under, completely understood the situation. If you if you can hire a hitman, why wouldn't you? Um. Hey, so yeah, you know I come what? from. Hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. You better tell us. Keep going. Yeah, I come from silly people. Uh, my mother, when I was a kid, loved the movie, movie Mortal Kombat. I remember when it came out, she would... Uh, remember one time, she used to, she did this for a while. She would kick in our bedroom door, yell, Mortal Kombat! And then go back no. into the living room like nothing happened. Oh, my goodness. Just and look, y'all, this stuff. is just touching the surface of some just of this like funny shit. stuff you will get in this book. When I tell you just I was rolling, I'm just it's just it's hilarious the stuff that Thank you opened you. up sharing that and you can relate to it so much because okay, I wanna I wanna cause we could keep going about the family forever because the family is amazing. Yeah. Love all the stories. Let's touch on the jobs though, real quick, because I thought this okay. was probably we're just gonna do a little bit. We ain't gonna spoil it for y'all because I want y'all to go through and take y'all notes and you know, pull out what you want to pull out. But what I thought was so cool was you talked about a little bit about your acting journey, mm-hmm. you know, doing uh, Cinderella as in the, uh, your sophomore year of high school. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. was just like, can you not relate? Now, I didn't do anything in theater, but mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about having to relate to the look, you know, how you might come out, your stage presence, trying to get all that stuff together. And, you know, going for I know you're going to I'm going to let you go ahead and, and, and get into it here. But then you go from that and you kind of transition into being like an adult in multiple jobs you had to go to, you know, mm-hmm. and you're doing and you're working on the side as an extra, you know, always yeah. keeping mm-hmm. that dream going through, you know, from mm-hmm. high school to your adult, like kind of give us, you know, a little bit, like I said, won't give them too how much ever you want to share with us, but kind of give us like a little bit of background of like why you thought that was important to put in the book and share that. Well, one to let you know that I've been working since the age of nine. Uh, and I'm exhausted. Uh, mm. I'm very tired because I've been working since the Clinton administration. So <laughs> um, I thought it was important to let people know that one overnight success is a lie. Mm-hmm. It's a lie. It's one of the biggest lies Hollywood has ever told. Um, it's the biggest lie that we've ever been allowed to perpetuate other than various lies about Black people that people love to tell. Uh, yeah. Overnight success is a, is a lie. And, you know, it's me having to well one I wanted to tell that story because about me when I you know got uh cast the Cinderella to you know to talk about like how my high school teacher was picked me because she said well you weren't necessarily the best singer but you were and I could sing but she was like you're the one that I knew that would bring the role to life you see what I'm saying yeah so yeah she was like someone who can be technically good a singer, but she needed the overall performance, and that's why I got it. Yeah, yeah. Because this girl might have been a so the other girl might have been a better technical singer, mm-hmm. but I was the one that was going to be able to sing and act and bring a role to life, and that's why I got it. Yeah. Also, I wanted to show that you know my mom bought me a blonde wig and she got me to so my mother so to show that. My mother was always supportive of me being in the performing arts when a lot of people's parents, I know comics whose parents are not supportive. I know a lot of comics whose parents aren't supportive. And I remember my mom being in the green room one time at one of the comedy clubs and one of the comics was like, wait a minute, you're her mom? So yeah, she's like, he's like, so you're supportive of her doing this? And she said, yes. And he went, can I have a hug? 
<laughs> and she was like, sure, of course you can have a hug. Because I wanted people to see that some people's parents are supportive of them being in the arts. Right, yep. And also, it's a lot of people will get into the arts and be like, okay, I'm going to quit my job. And I'm going to, hey, 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 hey. Why are you quitting your job? There you go. What yep. do you, you haven't succeeded yet. And you need money to be able to do this. So until I kept a day job, until I could no longer keep a day job, because I got too busy. Can you say that part again? I think people so, that's what I loved about, and I was hoping you were going to mention that. That's what I loved about your the whole section you did on jobs and acting. Because like you said, I think people miss that part. You thinking like it's like that overnight success, you there, boom, but it's like, you got to pay your fucking line. To be to speak, just to be very candid about it. Yeah, it is a yeah. fucking lie. Pure and simple. People spend a lot of time pimping your time and pimping your dreams to you. So it's like, oh, this would be good exposure. You cannot put good exposure in a gas tank in your belly or in a bank account. Right. So if I'm going to get if I'm at the very beginning of this and I have to do things for exposure and opportunity because people are trying to pimp your dream to you, then you are going to have to work for some white man to get a check or your or whoever the fuck. Yeah. You're going to have to work for somebody because the number of times I would get off of work and have to drive to eat to two, maybe three hours from Atlanta, do a comedy show and then drive back in the same night to be able to be at work the next day so I could afford but gas in my car to be able to go do these things. Hmm. So a yeah, lot of people are like, well, I'm going to get it. Take that down. People, there's literally, that's why I call the chapter in the book, I keep a job. Mm-hmm. Because I kept a job until, until I got to the point where I could not keep a day job. People are like, well, what's a day job? It is a job that you do when you are working on getting to what you want to do. Yeah. I was not going to live my whole life doing bilingual customer service. I wasn't. I told people every day for a long time, I'm in Spanish and in English, I'm not turning your lights back on. We're not coming to get your trash. And how many buckets of stucco do you need? How are you going to buy this car? I went through a lot of shit. I managed an auto body shop when I was 22. Why? Because I spoke Spanish and have a college degree. Mm-hmm. So, but at the same time, that's why I tell the story that Auto Body Shop, my boss, because I made myself an asset to the company when I booked this uh, summer stock theater to kill a mockingbird. I was doing a play to kill a mockingbird. They hired a temp while I was gone for three weeks because she needed me so much. She wouldn't let me quit. She hired a temp while I was gone so I would have a job when I came back. Wow. That's one of the stories I tell in the book. And also yeah. tell some wild shit that she did when I was working there. But <laughs> because I was in support of um, one of our body men who was a Vietnamese American man uh, who in- immigrated to America during the um, Vietnam War. Yeah. They always had issues understanding each other. Mind you, he was speaking English and so was she. Yeah. He could, she couldn't understand his English. But he couldn't understand hers either. And so they would have me translate English to English for both of them. It is the wildest conversations I would ever be in. Oh, I can only imagine. It's, That's another book, it, ain't it? It was wild <laughs> because he would come in and be like, hey, I need more time. 
Because like when you get your, you see, you had an accident before they write you an estimate, right? Yeah, yeah. And so when you get your car fixed, a lot of times, like say you, you say you got rear-ended. Every right. time they take the bumper off, they're going to find additional damage. For some reason, when the guy from the insurance company, a service writer, writes an estimate, he never accounts for the additional damage. It's like, all right, replace the bumper, do this, that. Replace the bumper, paint the bumper, and that's the whole estimate, right? Yeah. And then it's like, okay, the clips and the screws and blah, 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 Every time you take the bumper off, there's always additional damage. Okay, the back of this is, the frame is bit. We have to replace the, uh, you know, the deck lid with the name of a trunk. We got to replace the trunk. We have to pull the frame out. We have to fix the side panels, all this other shit. So, you know, he comes back and he's like, hey, there's not enough time on this estimate. I need more time. I need more time. And then she looks at me and she's like, well, what did he say? And I said, he said there was additional damage on this estimate. He needs the service writer to come back out because he needs to write a supplement for additional time. He goes, yes. And then she would be like, well, you know, they're asking us to work off the original estimate. And she gives this whole long explanation. And then he would go, what'd she say? And I was like, oh, she said you work off this original estimate. He not coming back no more time. And he would go, okay. And then we would do this every time. And then at the end of this, they would both go, thank you. And I was like, was this, what the fuck just happened to me? Yeah. Was this racist? Am I being racist? And then I would go, and I would go in the back to like, put some parts up or return some parts. And he would always come to me and go, thank you. He said, because you're the only one here that understands me. I said, I don't know why you're speaking English. Mm. And so that was always wild to me because it was just yeah. like, I could, all I did was listen to the man. And all these white people in this office swore that he was so hard to understand. And the man spoke English, but he but he moved here. As, he moved to the United States as like 20. He was an adult. He had to learn English. But they would make him feel like that he was not, he was hard to understand. And they did it on purpose. And then me, my little black self, he would always come up to me and go, can you tell them? And I would have to go. And they're like, what is he? And I was like, he's, because he would get upset and start, and they're like, what? why is he so mad? I said, because y'all are making him feel like y'all don't understand him. When you know good and fucking well he's speaking English. Yeah. And so it was always trying to have to advocate for him or my, I grew up in a predominantly Mexican neighborhood in Atlanta. So advocating for my neighbors and register people for school. So it was like, it's, there's so many times as a black woman that you have to show up for other people because you know what it's like. First of all, it's like, Y'all white folks really gonna make this man feel like this? Well, Y'all know good and fucking well you understand what he's saying? But also, I could see that he was frustrated because me as someone who speaks the king's English, who speaks very well because I'm theater trained, to still have people act like that they don't understand what I'm saying and I don't have an accent, I know what that feeling is. Hmm. And it's also, just, she's... Hold unbelievable. Yeah, but also she's holding up my fucking day and I need her to get out of here. So the longer she can't understand him, the longer her ass is sitting in here. She has yeah. three other shops to go to. So the longer, I will translate for Vu all fucking day, as long as I, up uh, two. I'm going to translate for two all day, as long as I can get this lady the hell up out of here. Yeah. But I know what it's like for people to look and go, I'm sure I don't understand. And it's like, you certainly fucking do. But they don't know what it's like to have somebody try to make them feel like they're small and less than. And that there's no value to who they are and what they're saying. Now, but you need him to fix these cars, though. That's what you need. 
Exactly. You need him to make this money for y'all. So why not respect him as a person? So because I was always helping him, he'd come and draw. He was bringing me all. That's how I really got into Vietnamese food. He'd come and bringing me all kinds of stuff. And Vietnamese coffee and all these other different snacks and stuff. And I'd be sitting there eating lunch with them. And they're like, what y'all eating? Bro? And he would just go, mm, 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 mm. nope, nope, nope. This is for her. Yeah, because he her. had somebody that was finally listening to him. And, they, and, and I was, was like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's I think it's so amazing. You know, when you talk about being a black woman, woman of color, and realizing that about yourself, that it's, you know, early on when you were young, that, like you said, people are going to walk by and just not listen. It's still, mm -hmm. we're still talking about this today where for, you know, black women, people just, it's like you said something. It's like, I know you heard what I just said. I know you heard it. But realize so think about that, this. Yeah, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Think about this. Yeah. People spend a long time, a lot of time acting like they don't know what he said. Yep. But you put Anthony Anderson's mother at the Emmys. And so, and go, do not go over your time. And if you do, I will stand up. So what you didn't want, so now you can hear us. Exactly, yep. You can't hear Taraji P. Henson telling you about the money. You can't hear Viola Davis telling you that she's not being paid as she should be. You can't hear that. But you can hear mama standing up and being like, hey, 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 hey. You better hurry up in here. Yep, exactly. So then as I know it's selective. Because the most the the number of people that got up during the acceptance speech, uh, that um that uh Culkin boy, Macaulay Culkin's brother, Culkin, uh Kieran Culkin, yeah, literally yeah. said, Oh, I gotta hurry up. I don't want mama to stand up and have yeah. folks worried that they were gonna be reprimanded. Everybody's an adult in here. But so you pick and choose, you pick and choose. Because I promise you, there's many times when I'm just like, oh, I didn't hear you, or hey, we need you to say something. Exactly. Yep. What other questions did you have? Because you know, girl, I get to rambling as often. We woke from the Listen, south. We just I'm get having a good time. I, I, we're talking about some important stuff here. I hope people write it down. Go check out the book. Look, we'll wrap it up because we'll keep talking because I got some more questions for you. But I want you yeah. to plug it up, plug your book up, so everybody can get their pre-orders on. Know when it's coming out, and you know anything else you wanna you wanna talk about uh, for Hello Friends. Well, here, ask me another question. I ask mean, that's what I'm doing. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's talk about. I'm gonna change. I'm gonna transition on y'all real quick, right? Let's talk about the Great North, because yes. the last time I got to talk to you, it was just starting. So we didn't yes. know, like we kind of had a little bit of background. We didn't know you in season four now with Honey Bee, and that isn't that's yeah. insane. Did you expect that? Like, how much fun are you having with Honey Bee going into season four? I had no idea, and uh, Honey Bee actually won. There's like a Hulu animation award for like breakout star. It's like for an animated character. Oh, yay. That's great. I love that. And Honeybee won. And what was interesting is that the clip that they used to show the nomination and to show that I that she had won, I had won, was um yeah. there was a clip of her going through a snowstorm and she's with her husband Wolf and yeah. she's saying, um, all I see is white. It's like when I met your family. Now <laughs> That was not the original line. Yeah. So we're in the studio. So we're rehearsing. We're, we're recording it. And I said, hey, can I offer an alt? So an alt is like an alternate line. Yeah. And I'm like, sure. And I said, all I see is white. It's like when I met your family. And you don't know what's going to end up in the episode. So I didn't know until I saw the episode. 
that they used what I gave as an alternate line until the episode aired, right? Oh, okay. And so that was really exciting. But it's like, you know, I, if you haven't, if anyone hasn't seen The Great North, um, Honey Bee Shaw is a black character on the show. And yeah. they asked for me for input for her character design. Oh, I'm so glad. That's so great. I'm glad. And so, because if you look at the beginning, I think of this season and last season, at the end of the opening credits, there is a, um, at the very end of it, the, they're, everyone's like they're at home at night and they're all playing a game and Honey Bee has a bonnet on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. And they have a scene with her and Wolf in bed and I remember, like, when they're having a conversation and I remember while we were reading, I said, oh, can we just make sure she has a bonnet on there? Like, oh, no, we have a Black Writers. She already has one on. Mm, that's, that's and I was like, like and I kind of, that's great. Right, but I kind of stopped for a second and they're like, are you good? And I was like, do y'all understand how happy I am that I that this was? I don't have to explain this to you. Yeah. I don't have to give you a reference. I don't have to. I said the fact that this has already happened, and I didn't have to tell you she needs to wear a bonnet if she's in bed. Listen, I love scandal, but it always bothered me that she never had her hair wrapped up. It always <laughs> bugged me. Everybody, a lot of people point that out. A lot of people point that out, like scandal fans, everybody. I just, and I didn't, you didn't think about it at the time, but it's like the more you go back and you relook at things, you're like, why didn't somebody, you know, and, and you know, not even just scandal, some other shows we probably, you know, we went back and dig in and nobody thought about, you know, like we always have a bonnet or something like our, a scarf or something on the head. We go to bed. Yes. You have a scarf. You have a, I remember in college, I went to women's college and we all, you know, this is when the re relaxer was still heavy in the aughts. Yeah. And, so your hair was always wrapped and tied up. And mm. so when you saw a girl and her hair was not, you were like, where are you going? Why are you calm your hair down? It's like, oh, I had a job interview. It's like, oh, okay. Right, exactly. So you know, why you is your gotta hair protect not... the style. You gotta protect the style. Right. But like, why is your hair unwrapped, girl? Who are you going to see? What's going on? It's like, oh, I just felt like combing my hair down. <laughs> because <laughs> I had to like, my head is hot. Um, but it was really, so I helped with the original character design. And the reason she has a, so I just told them to give her an afro. They're like, an afro? How do we do an afro? I was like, a squiggly line around her head. It's an afro. I'm like, oh, yeah. And then when I got to, when we went to the first table read, uh, I saw that they had a standee of her. So like just a giant stand-up cut up. Mm. And I saw that that's when I saw that she has a flower in her hair. A la my uh, headshot. So my headshot is me with my afro with a flower in my hair. Yeah. And that's why Honeybee has a flower in her hair because of my headshot, which they didn't tell me about. So, um, I love the show. I'm excited about the show. Uh, Aparna Nancherla, who's an amazing uh, she, South Asian comic. Um, she's Indian American. She does the voice of um, of Moon, the son on the show. Hilarious. Uh, Moon, she has a very Moon has you on the floor rolling. Hilarious. And that is an Indian American woman named Aparna Nancherla, who is an amazing human being. She's one of, I remember when I first started doing stand-up, she's an amazing comic. So, Season four just came out on January the 7th. Uh, we're about to start recording season five. Um, we got a season five. Um, and for you the, the, so basically what happened is the show, the show, we start recording and then the pandemic started. Mm -hmm. And so half of the first, half of the first season, all of the second season, all of the third season was recorded from home. 
Oh, that's probably what so interesting. They sent us sound equipment. And we recorded everything. Like I had I bought a uh I went to Amazon and found like a um like a cloth uh vocal booth. Like a oh, sound booth. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so because in the pandemic when I got my second apartment in New York, I was like, I got a three bedroom. Good crazy good. Um, and I was like, I need a studio room because before that I was recording Great North in my bedroom and I was recording Daily Show in my living room. So my entire house became an office. Yeah. And I was like, I need a separation church to say. So my next apartment, I was like, this is where my studio is. All the camera equipment, everything is here. I had a green screen, like just really working. But doing Great North has been really great. They always want to take, uh, they always take uh, input from us. And on the show creators is Wendy and Lizzie Molyneux. So it's two women. It's the same people who do Bob's Burgers. Okay. Okay. Um, and so it's been a really great experience and I've been able to learn a lot about doing animation and just the process of everything and just really like to just see people want to go, Hey, is this how this would, would she say this this way or asking about, would she say this this way or, you know, how would her character do this? And then, you know, being asked a few questions at the beginning, and then now there's black writers, so they never come to me and ask me stuff like that. Because the beginning, it was like we were just trying to figure out what her cadence is and how she speaks. And then once we figured that out from an acting standpoint, then there was a writing, and then the writing of it. And so now it's I, I never read the lines and go, "This is not how she talks." And like Ron Funches has gone on. And so it's like they, they choose people who are great performers to perf- to do the voice performances. And then also it's like, it is it is still acting. So they're like, when they have us like running, they're like, okay, we need running sound. And you're just in a booth in your house going. <laughs> so you're like moving your arms. Right, right. Or they're like, okay, we need you to sound cold. And so I'm just in this booth in my house. And it's warm in my house, right? Yeah, it could have been summer. It's like it's been summer, and I'm in my, I'm in my, and I'm in the booth. And I'm just like, or now, you know, the recording set. You know, now that we're recording in the studio again, I'm standing in this giant room, being like, <laughs> like yeah, I'm cold. You have to get, you got to put your body into. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a lot of stuff that goes into like voice acting. I don't think a lot of people pay attention to because you just get to see. You know, obviously, you can just see the finished product, and you don't realize how much is going into like what you guys are doing in the booth to bring these characters out. And like you said, even like the little noises and everything, mm-hmm. you know, to really put your, your mindset there. And I got to say, people, everybody needs a relationship like Wolf and Honeybee. Cause Listen, Wolf I would Wolf, love. Right? Oh, girl, go ahead. I would, I would. Mm. Let me tell you something. The way they support, I just, I just want to watch. I just, they're just so supportive. And it's just like, and I know that maybe that just sounds small for me to say that maybe it's not like, oh yeah, you should be, that should be how your relationship is. Hopefully it's automatic. I don't know. But when I was watching watching this show, you guys, it is the cutest. It is just so fun to watch. Cause they'll like, I don't, I don't know if I I don't know if it'd be spoiler alert um for somebody. You guys go watch the season three, I guess, and come back. You know, so let me give a little, let me pause for a second. So just so I'm not spoiling for anybody. But so the last episode, some of the last episodes, they were dealing with like this funky smell in town. Mm-hmm. And so you have uh Wolf is like 
he's trying to come up with like these lines to like talk about the situation that they're in. You know, they got to save the kids. I'm I'm wrapping it all up really quick for you guys, but they're trying to save the kids because they figured out where the smell is coming from, some rotten meat um, uh -huh. that could explode at the school, just to make a, a story real quick for y'all. Oh yeah, because it was buried underground. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so he was trying to come up with these one-liners that kind of really, you know, these like little zingers, because if you know Wolf's character, he's all about that. You know, throwing uh -huh. his little one-liners in, getting out. And instead of Honeybee being like, okay, you just need to be quiet. Why don't you just stand over there? Why you keep, she is just so, like, she lets him tell his, like, tell his stories. She's there to mm -hmm. support him. She's like, look, okay, we're going to be, you know, the, you know, burglars of blah, blah, blah. We're going to sit over here. We're going to look at this blueprint together. This is our role. And he follows right in the suit and he'll just kind of follow behind her, you know, and they just make this amazing team. That you wouldn't know, like if you don't watch the show and pay attention, and they have so many differences. It is great, but it's funny because like they they found each other because of a common interest in movies, and mm. they met literally in like a, like a chat room, and it was this common interest in just something as innocuous. But some people are very like you know, I guess they're called video files or something like that. Cinema file, cinema files probably. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so. Uh, for them to there's so many times where just like you want to have a common interest because there's so many people it's like oh well you know me and my husband don't hang out together because we don't have common interests and I'm just like yeah. okay that sounds fun um, but <laughs> what if it's or you end up doing something you don't want to be doing so mm -hmm. the fact that they have a common interest and also it's like there's some times where I'll just go Man, I hope this is the Lord just letting me know that I'm going to find me a nice man who will want to do crafting with me and go to the beach because uh, exactly. I love yep. the beach. And so I was like, I'm going to just take this in as a foreshadowing. I'm going to receive this blessing. Um, but I do. A lot of people talk about their relationship and it's just, it's nice to see people who, and any, they, but also they have like stupid ideas together. Yes, but they just don't make each other feel bad. It's like you know that they probably know that this is not going to go well, but they, it's just like the support they have for each other and the willingness to just jump and be like, okay, it is what it is, you know, and not worry about it. I think it's just something, I don't know. I just think it's something you can escape in. It's something amazing mm -hmm. to watch on TV that you don't get to see all the time. Just like you said, just a couple, like even if it's, a, even though it's a, you know, people pick out stuff because the interracial couple, you know, other things you're focused on, but it's just, if you just watch the sweetness and their love and they're just like, we're going to do this together. It don't matter what it is, what kind of scheme we're going to come up with. We're in it together. We're going to figure it out. And, we want, and we're mm -hmm. probably going to have a good time while we're doing it, which is all that matters. You know what I mean? And the actor who plays um, Wolf, Will Forte, I remember we had a recording session and then I had to go run and leave because I was doing Conan. This was like 2019 because I was going to support, I was going to... um going to promote my uh comedy central half hour that was coming out mm -hmm. and they're like oh i'm leaving and it's like oh yeah and he was like before i left he made sure to take a moment to just really encourage me and so just and even though we're like we're co-workers he didn't have to do that you see what i'm saying yeah so yeah. just will as a person who does the voice of wolf is a very caring and supportive man yeah. and I think uh I think that's one of the other reasons that it works is because she really is he really is this character 
in the same way that Nick Offerman is really, you know, really this type of gruff kind of, but also like sensitive man who plays, you know, the father beast Tobin. So it's been a really great experience working with them. And also the fact that like, they're so open to suggestions and so open to being collaborative with the actors is something that's been really great. Yeah, it's you and you got like you said, you can feel it. You guys fit these roles so amazingly. I can't wait to finish checking. I already seen like the first episode. I don't know if there's like one or two episodes out now, um, of of like of the season of season four, but you guys go check it out. Like catch up, binge watch it. Cause I promise you you're thinking at first, yeah, it's on Hulu. I promise you you're thinking, okay, when I first check it out, maybe you don't stay. Maybe if you're not into animation, I'm telling you, if you watch it, you're going to get hooked. Cause there is so many references where you just forget. You know, if you're not an animation fan, you forget it's animation. You know, it's it's just so it's it takes you on so many different adventures. The characters are fantastic and hilarious. So yeah, go check it out, you guys. It's um, very silly. It's, very, it's silly. very silly. It's it a, airs I think on... that's why I like it. It's just it's an escape. Like if you had that rough day, it's just so silly and fun that I think it's so cool. When we were in the table read for the for the uh, episode you were talking about with the meat, I was yeah. like, I was reading. We were reading through it, and I was like. What the hell is happening? This is goofy <laughs> as shit. And I was like, what happened with this meat for the what? Y'all? Okay. <laughs> and honeybees rivalry. Great. Like when you figure out what they're actually smelling and what happened, it was it's like you said, it's just like you're like, what is going on? But it's so funny at the same time. It's silly as shit. I love doing it. I'm so excited. Um as an actor, it's been a really great experience because it's like you know, people don't realize how hard voice acting is. Because mm-hmm. sometimes when you're recording, you don't have, like, when you do, like, pickups or, like, re-records, like, I had to do a re-record uh, yesterday. Um, You have the animation to give you a point of reference. When you yeah. do the original recording, you might have maybe a couple of, but there's no fully blocked out scenes. Yeah. So you're truly just recording. You are flying blind. Because when we were working from home, there was no screen set up. So I was recording stuff and doing pickups and I never saw the show. So I had to watch it on Hulu because I didn't, I didn't, I never saw visually what happened. Right. It's also because my friends will be like, one of my friends will be on the road. Every once in a while, I get a random text message from somebody on like a Monday and be like, do you do the voice of a cartoon? I'm like, yes. Because one of our friends was like, I was watching the football game, I fell asleep and woke up to your voice. And I was like, but I wasn't even next to you, friend. And he was like, no, you were on the cartoon. I was like, ah, lame story, but thanks. Uh, <laughs> someone was going like, I woke up to your voice. And I was like, did you? Did you enjoy it? And he was like, all right. I was like, I'm just saying. That's here to help. Hey, that's, that's, that's bragging rights right there. That's pretty cool, right? You'd be like, you woke I up mean, to my voice. <laughs> He seemed excited about it. So I was like, I mean, if you call me on a more regular basis, you can wake up to my voice all the time. But, you know, tomato, <laughs> potato, that's the God you serve. So. I love it. I love it. I think that's cool bragging rights right there. I think that's cool to have a, have a show that everybody could just, you know, you could, it's out there. You can think of check it out. It's an escape, you know, for a world that's like so heavy right now. It kind of gives mm-hmm. you like that place where you can kind of, you know, go and escape for a little bit. Okay, last thing I want to ask you about before I let, I want you to do all the plugs and make sure people know where can they find you and anything you can tease is coming up next. But before we do that, since this okay. is Black Girl Nerds, we got to talk about Star Trek because I did not know how big a Star Trek fan you were. Let me tell you something. <laughs> let me tell you something. Okay. Tell me something. Go ahead. 
I was doing an interview and this girl asked me, well, what's it like having your dream job? I said, ma'am, my dream job is to be a Cleon on Star Trek. You should have done, you can't listen. And she was like, what? I said, I'm talking about not these new Discovery Cleons. I don't know them Cleons, okay? I don't know them. Yep, I'm talking right. about the, the, I don't know them niggas, all right? I don't know them. And I don't know if you use that word on the show, but I don't know them, okay? I'm talking about me, personally, for me in my mm-hmm. house. I'm talking about next generation, deep space nine Cleons, okay? I'm talking about Worf. I'm talking about Dora sisters. When I say Dora sisters, I'm talking about long leather dress, titties popping, long, wet, and wavy weave. That is the Cleon that I'm talking about, ma'am. So my dream job, my dream job is not being on The Daily Show. That is your dream job. My dream job? <laughs> Cleon on Star Trek. So I did a recording session at Great North, right? So the, reco- yeah. the recording studio is like maybe 10 minutes from my house. And did you watch Deep Space Nine? I didn't watch Deep Space Nine. I'm, but I'm talking about the new, see, I, I'm, that's why I didn't make any comments. Right, 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 right. Because I'm doing the new Star Trek, but I ain't want to steal. I, I feel you. Go ahead. Keep, right, right. Let me tell you what happened. All right. So, tell me what happened. There's a character there. Jeffrey Combs, who has played like more aliens in the Star Trek universe than anybody else. Right. Okay. Okay. Stays in Michael Westmore's chair. And Michael yep. Westmore is the um, makeup artist. He played a character on Deep Space Nine called Wei Yu, right? Okay. During the Dominion War. And so I'm walking out of the recording session and I see this man. He goes, hello. And I was like, I know this man. Who is this man? But there's always people coming out of their recording. And then I hear him talking to another guy and they're talking about the Star Trek this and going to the convention. And, and I went, oh, Wei Yoon. And I remembered this character that I had not seen. And I rewatched Star Trek when it was on Netflix in like 2016. Right. I haven't seen this man in years. And I was like, oh, Wei Yoon. And he was like, I haven't heard that name in years. <laughs> and I start talking to him and he was like, yeah, we're here recording for Lower Decks. And I was like, oh my God, I would love to be on Lower Decks. And I'm like, really? And he was like, I said, well, I'm a Star Trek fan. He, and the guy goes, he's one, and I find he's one of the Shore Waters. And he's like, I know you're a Star Trek fan. You just called him Wei Yoon. And that show came out in the 90s. So I know you're a Star Trek fan. And so I had this conversation. And then so many months later, and then because like right out, and then there was like a strike. And so all these months later, they called me up and they're like, you are going to do the voice of a Cleon. On lower decks. Mm. And I didn't, and they just called me up and I was like, what? And my mom and my brother moved them out from Atlanta. And so I was like, Mama, I got big news. I said, What? I said, I'm gonna play a clean. She's like, I said, Mama, I'm playing a clean. She's like, Oh my. She was so excited for me. My brother was excited for me. <laughs> I think the dog was excited for me. Everybody is excited for me. And I get in the recording, and the guy was saying, he said, people tell stories of how they got cast. You know, and it's like, you know, oh, I was doing this or, oh, I had a great audition. He said, you got cast out of the lobby. Because I told, and I told that this was my dream to do this. Mm-hmm. Told this man, this was my dream to do this. To play a Cleon, I don't care that she's animated. Because eventually, because once I can get in the Star Trek universe, then maybe I can go from, we are, we are, we are manifesting, we are receiving, that I can go from an animated Cleon to a real life Cleon. And that's, and so because I was standing there, I started talking to him. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, maybe I shouldn't say anything. Maybe I shouldn't say anything. And so Nava Rain went, bitch, you better tell that man it's your dream to be a Cleon. What's wrong with you? When am I going to get another opportunity to talk to the man who writes the show 
because he was saying we've been looking for actors who are real Star Trek fans. We were looking for people who are actual Star Trek fans. And I was like, me? Wow. Yeah. Me, sir? And he was like, yeah, I know. Again, you called him way out. I was like, ha And so I got to talk to Jeffrey Combs. And so when I came in to record, um, of course, I cannot remember the man's name on the top of my head because that would make sense. He um, he said, oh, I saw Jeffrey at, uh, at the Star Trek convention. And he came up to me and said, what happened to the girl in the lobby? Did you cast her? And he said, yeah, we've got a plan to clean. He said, good. So that man who could not remember my name but knew who I was made sure this man don't know me from nobody. Yeah. Checked up and was like, hey, what happened with that girl? Did you cast her? Did you use her? And he said, yeah, we did. Wow. See, that's when you right there for the right opportunity and you take advantage of it. Like you said, you don't know when you were going to see them again. Like if you would have said, no, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I'll just back off. I wouldn't say anything. But you took the opportunity and look. See, it don't even matter. It's not, it don't even count that it's, it's Klingon, right? You got to be a Klingon. I'm saying you living your dream. Unless you, you know, but you can, you can top it if you want to. I'm just going to put that out there. I live the dream. I got to play a Klingon. I got to do her voice. And because what was so interesting is they were asking me, do you want to record from home or do you want to do it in the studio? And I was like, I don't have enough. I was like, I can record from home. I was like, I really don't have enough time to set up this booth. I'll just go down there. And that's when I met this man and I met those men and I got, cause the other lady that was, they were helping with the recording. She recognized me from daily show. So yeah. talking to me, he's like, Oh, this is Dulce Stone. She's on the daily show. Right. Mm -hmm. And so because I made the decision to not record from home, I went to the studio and that's how I met them. And that's how I got that opportunity. So no success is not overnight, but sometimes you got to go outside. Mm. because that's how I ended up meeting him that's how I ended up getting this opportunity because I spoke myself up and I said because the lady was like this is your dream I said since I was a little girl and she was like why is this your dream I said because the reason I'm not a Star Wars fan is because there are no black people in space on Star Wars mm. the reason James Earl Jones does the voice of Darth Vader in the original Star Trek I mean the original Star Wars movie is because they made that whole movie they were making that movie and they were like oh it's the 70s fuck we don't have any black people that was one of the reasons yeah. they were like this is like James Earl Jones it's like any of those Star Trek movies there's never any people of color not even people of wild colors there's literally green people on Star Trek so when they made the original Star Wars, they made it for in fucking space and it was still full of white faces. And when Gene Roddenberry created Star Trek, his point the entire time was to show that all of the races in the world will be able to, that's why there's a Japanese man and a Russian man. We were, at, we were in the middle of a cold war with Russia. We had just had World War II 20 years ago. So two of the enemies are on this show being collaborative there's a black woman who's the head of communication of course you see what i'm saying so like yeah. gene roddenberry from the beginning was we need to show that everybody in the future we will be okay wow that was the point now, see, i never you know you you stirring it up now i didn't even think about that that's a good that was, that's an interesting point it's an interesting point gene roddenberry's goal from the beginning was to show racial diversity also, people don't realize the original series of Star Trek only lasted three seasons. And Lucille Ball, Desi Lu Productions, when they put it on TV. Mm -hmm. 
Because you ever heard the story of Nichelle Nichols was going to quit? The lady who plays Ahura, Nichelle Nichols? Yeah, yeah, I know you're talking about, but I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know she was going to quit. She was going to quit Star Trek, and Martin Luther King told her not to. They met at an event, and they were like, oh, we love you on the show. She said, thank you, but I'm going to quit. And Martin Luther King said, you can't do that. He said, it's one of the few shows I let my children watch on television. Wow. People need to see you. People have to see you. Yeah. Listen. Mm. Her and um, William Shatner had the first interracial kiss on TV. Yep. Yep. I didn't know that part. So it's so to be a, and this is truly when people talk about black fathers on television, the captain of the ship, and also he didn't start a captain, he became a captain. The character of Benjamin Sisko on Star Trek Deep Space Nine is one of the best examples of a black father on TV that I've ever seen. And he was a single father because his wife died. Yeah. And the entire show, all you see him do is hugging and kissing on his son. His son's a teenager. But if he's talking to his son, he's going to hug his son. He's going to, he's going to be loving and affectionate to his son. And I'd never seen it like, and I'd never seen a black man be affectionate to his son like that on television. Mm. So of course I want to be part of this. But yeah, it's literally a dream came through. Not the whole dream, but baby steps. Listen, all I know is you better drop that Star Trek knowledge. That's all I got to say. That's all I have to say right there on that one. If you didn't know your girl was a nerd. (laughs) Oh, do say, listen, we don't have enough time. Because I could just keep talking to you about any kind of topic, just keep throwing stuff out there. But listen, they don't they don't make enough hours in a day, but they need to. But I'm gonna let you listen. I want you to plug it up, tell them about the book, tell them about whatever you can share. The thing that I do want to plug, so uh Great North just came out, and then look, you know, keep looking for me for episodes of the Daily Show. Um, because we're still making it, it's still on the air, and I still work there. Uh hey. Even though people are like, you moved to LA. I'm like, yeah, we have airplanes. I can go they back. You have airplanes, they, yep. Listen, they fly daily. I don't know if you know that. Um, so I got I'm gonna go back and get this chick. But I moved to LA <laughs> because I want to be happy. And hey, um listen, look at God. Uh the thing I really do want to plug is the book coming out on February the sixth. I've got shows. I'm going to be in the comedy club of Kansas City. Uh, the first week of February, and then February eighth through the tenth, I'm going to be at the Arlington Draft House. Wow! Uh, I'm going to be in Chicago doing Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on February the fifteenth. On February twenty eighth, I'm going to be at the Brea Improv in California. February the twenty ninth, I'm going to be at the Oxnard Improv, and March first through the third, I'm going to be at Zany's in Chicago. Um, and then. March 8th to the 13th, I'm going to be at South by Southwest. And uh, I got more dates that are available on my website, Comedy Zone, April 11th through the 14th, Emus Theater on March 23rd. Uh, and yeah, and so uh, you can go to my website, dualstateslone.com for more dates. And me and comedian Lace Larrabee started our own lip gloss brand called Giggle Gloss. You can go to giggleglass.com. Yeah, gloss. Yes, and so we created it as a way to have merch to sell on the road because t-shirts are bulky. Um, and oh my God, is that not genius? That's pretty great. Listen, That's and pretty my great. Ma- <laughs> thank you. 
my mother told me to start this, told me and Lisa to start this five years ago. And I was like, well, give us a second. We'll figure it out. And so it's called Giggle Gloss. And all of the colors are um, based off of jokes or comedic names. Um, so I have three colors. Lace has three colors. So my colors are also, we made sure that the colors look good on all skin tones. So if you go to giggleglosscom and if you go to mm. our Instagram, uh, Giggle Gloss Lips, you can see my colors on her and her colors on me. Ooh. And they look good on both of us. And so yeah, I'm I have a, right now. That's great. Wow. Yeah, thank like you. That. I have a like a glittery gold color called um, No More Broke Dick, which is my ministry. <laughs> I'm just really trying to spread the good news. <laughs> um, just letting people know that you don't have to live this way. Uh, now we know it's good, but at the same yeah. time, man. First vodka. I like it. First vodka. So purse vodka is like a kind of a, a sparkly kind of sheer um, pink color. So no more mm -hmm. broke dick is our bestseller. And then purse vodka is the next color. And that's one of Lace's colors. Um, and then I have like a brown neutral color, a brown nude color called future wife. Cause you know, manifesting. Um, and I have a nice, like a nice black cherry color called a miss lady, because you as a fellow southerner with a man trying to talk to you, what's he going to say? I'm a lady, I'm a lady, I'm a lady, I'm a lady, I'm a lady. You nailed that one. Yep. That's right. It. And so since I don't know how to spell a my lady, but I know he's saying <laughs> a miss lady, that's what we put on the bottom. <laughs> oh, that is and great. then uh, Lace has a pink color, like a mauve color that looks very good on me. I wear it all the time called Lafia Majora um, for mm -hmm. some of you that know about the anatomies. And then she has a beautiful corally red color called I'll Show You Crazy. Ooh. Like and so we, um, you can go to our website, giggleglosscom I packed the orders myself, literally. Um, all of our inventory is at my house. And Lace and I also sell it on the road. So um, we also have sets. So it's like you can get all of my colors, you can get all of Lace's colors, or you can get the whole collection. So when do you sleep? I mean, I love this hustle. <laughs> <laughs> man uh, that is amazing I love thank that. you we've I had over that. yeah we've had over 350 orders and i have packed about 300 of them personally um i i'm lips you better get it that's pretty great yes thank you we're uh but i think the thing i'm the most excited about is that we're going to start partnering with other comics and so they can have merch to sell on the road as well and i think that's the thing i'm really excited about for this year um we launched on april fool's day and you know uh sherry shepherd had our um we were talking about the sherry shepherd and um when i was promoting my hosting week for daily show and so yeah it's been i didn't expect it to be as popular as it is and i'm so excited about it i'm really proud of it um i personally me and lace personally picked out these colors um and so it's a way to pr promote um, a black business, a woman-owned business. Um, and it's really, we sell, you know, comics sell merch on the road to supplement their income. Right, yeah. And, you know, and laces, and she sells it on the road, and I sell it on the road as well. So, um, and you can buy, order it online, and it'll be me. It's it's me. It's me or my mother. Literally. Packing this lip gloss and sending it out of my local post office. So, um, that's the other thing that I'm working on right now is really just trying to expand that brand more. 
Um, because I'm just trying to make sure that my mother never works at Amazon ever again. Oh, I love that. Taking care of my mom. I love that. I love that. Yes, friend. You, gotta, so. you know what? You know what? You got to do it because what we do without our families that support us, because like you said, everybody does not have a family that's not supportive. You want to do something in arts or whatever you want to do. They're going to be right there behind you, lifting you up, pushing you to do something. So, yeah, you got to. You got to take care of the, you got to take care of the parents, the family, you know, whoever is supporting you in your life. So I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Did you have, did you have any more questions about the book? I didn't, I didn't look. Cause I don't want, I want everybody to go and check this out. I don't want to ruin it. Cause I want y'all to like go on the adventure I went on because I'll start talking and I don't want to ruin all the little stories and stuff that they're going to find out. So yeah, I'm, I got I had to cut myself off, but I want y'all to go check it, check it out. Oh, Hello yeah. friends. You know, go ahead and do your, get your pre-sale on. Check yeah, out you can Gizzle go to Gloss Lips. Yes, please. <laughs> you can go to uh, GizzleGloss.com. GizzleGlossLips on Instagram. But GizzleGloss.com, you want to place the order. Um, I'm so glad that you, because, you know, once you read something over and over again, you're like, is this funny? So thank you so much for being like, yeah, this is funny. Because I was like, man, I don't know about this. But once you read and read and read and read something, you're like, man. I, I'm really, I'm so glad. I'm very glad to hear that you like it. I'm very glad to hear that you can relate to it and um i'm really just excited you know my my manager was like it's gonna be a bestseller and it's like lord willing because man it's um to answer your question i don't know when i sleep i i, I sleep when my eyes are closed okay um, all right you know, that's when let's, i sleep let's let's start with that you know let's go with there listen sometimes uh sometimes it's it's 2 a.m sometimes it's 3 p.m um okay. But I'm it's again, I'm learning to be like, hey, 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 as you you can you can work, but sometimes you have to go to bed. <laughs> Listen, they'll say ended us with saying sometimes you know you have to work, but sometimes you gotta go to bed. There you go. That's how you that's you gotta how you go gotta to bed, go. friend. You gotta go to bed. My homeboy calls uh, me a cactus person. <laughs> He's like, How are you alive? And I'm like I listen know. we're glad you're alive i'm glad you spent this time with me talking of course you didn't have to but i appreciate it because you're always hustling you're always busy so i did have to i did have to <laughs> i did have to miss ma'am i did listen, have to come on here i appreciate i'm also it. i'm a black girl nerd too we gotta we gotta we gotta we gotta be there for each other as black girl nerds out here at your comic book conventions at your drama dragon cons at your comic cons confusing there you go regular black people just being like what are you the black girl nerds podcast is produced by jamie broadnax the opening theme song to our show is written and performed by samus various instrumentals are performed by samus sky blue and shubzilla you can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.